Let's turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 18. 1 Chronicles chapter 18. And we'll be, begin in verse 1 here in a moment. Um, Abraham left a great legacy of faith. Uh, God made him some promises, and he believed the Lord. He left his homeland to go to a land he didn't know. And because he did, you and I are still receiving the benefit and the blessing of what God set in motion through his steps of faith. Uh, I think of uh, Samuel. Samuel was, was a man who greatly influenced his country for the Lord. Uh, he came into a country that was very wicked and had gone far from God. And through his ministry and his leadership, God brought the people back into right relationship and set up the time where David ultimately would begin his reign. And uh, literally, a whole nation turned because of Samuel. And I also think about Hannah, Samuel's mother. Samuel's mother left Samuel a legacy of faith uh, and a legacy of prayer. She called upon the Lord. She earnestly prayed, and God moved and worked in her situation and brought a change. I think she set a great example and provided a training ground which set a groundwork for him. And that's a powerful legacy indeed. Uh, we need to influence the culture in which we live as God's people. I believe we're called to be salt and light. Uh, we're, we're to be salt and light right now where we are. But we're also to influence, as God enables us to do so, uh, a generation that's yet to come. And so uh, what we see here in this chapter is, is very interesting because David not only is fulfilling God's plan for his life, but he is also preparing for the next generation to fulfill God's plan for their lives. And so you see both of these dynamics going on here. And David leaves a legacy for Solomon, but also for Israel and, uh, and even for us through Jesus Christ. And so um, we need to leave a legacy, no pressure, okay? I believe it's easy to leave a legacy if you're following Jesus Christ. Okay? You kind of sometimes do it by accident because you're doing what God leads you to do. And as you do what God leads you to do, you fulfill the purpose God has for your life. And as you fulfill the purpose God has for your life, it impacts other people. And there's an ongoing ripple effect that often goes through generations uh, you remember what uh, God said to the people of Israel? He said that God would bless uh, a thousand generations of those who fear him, but that the sins of the father would be visited on the, the children unto the third and fourth generation. I don't believe you suffer for somebody else's sin. I don't believe that would, that's what that means. I just believe that you are influenced by the sins of your family and that can last for four generations. But if you're righteous, a thousand generations. Now, that's a pretty powerful impact, a pretty powerful legacy. Uh, and the Lord says we do that through our righteousness. So, 
uh, we need to fulfill those plans that God has for our lives. And, and the title of my message is Leaving a Legacy. How do we do that? And so look with me at verse 1. After this, David defeated the Philistines, subdued them, and took Gath and its surrounding villages from Philistine control. He also defeated the Moabites, and they became David's subjects and brought tribute. David also defeated King Hadadezer of, of Zobah at Hamath. Uh, when he went to establish his control at the Euphrates River. David captured 1,000 chariots, 7,000 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers from him, hamstrung all the horses, and kept 100 chariots. Uh, when the Arameans of Damascus came to assist King Hadadezer of Zobah, David struck down 22,000 Aramean men. Then he placed garrisons in Aram of Damascus, and the Arameans became David's subjects and brought tribute. The Lord made David victorious, or literally, he delivered him wherever he went. Uh, David took the gold shields carried by Hadadezer's officers and brought them to Jerusalem. From Tivna and Kun, Hadadezer's cities, David also took huge quantities of bronze from which Solomon made the bronze basin, the pillars, and the bronze articles. Uh, when King Tu of, Her, of, Her, of Hamath heard that David had defeated the entire army of King Hadadezer of Zobah, he sent his son, Hadoram, uh, to King David to greet him and to congratulate him because David had fought against Hadadezer and had defeated him. For two and Hadadezer had fought many years. Uh, and Hadadoram brought all kinds of gold, silver, and bronze items. King David also dedicated these to the Lord, along with the silver and gold he'd carried off from all the nations, from Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, and the Amalekites. Abishai, son of Zeruiah, uh, struck down 18,000 Edomites in the Salt Valley. He put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites were subject to David. And here's that statement again. The Lord delivered or made victorious uh, David wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel, administering justice and righteousness for all his people. Uh, Joab, son of Zeruiah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahiad, was court historian. Zadok, son of Ahitub and Ahimelech, son of Abiathar, were priests. Shavshah was court secretary. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was over the Carathites and the Pelathites. And David's sons were the chief officials at the king's side. So leaving a legacy, how do you do that? Well, first of all, you need to surrender to God's purposes for your life. You need to surrender to God's purposes for your life. Uh, part of that is surrendering to God's will as he's revealed it in his word, right? Um, some people say, well, yeah, I know God's Word says that, but this is what I think. You're headed for trouble with that statement right there. So if God's Word says it, we need to align ourselves with it, assuming that uh, it applies to us. There's some things like under the Old Covenant that no longer apply to us, uh, but they do so spiritually in a little different way. Uh, so we need to surrender ourselves to God's purposes as found in His Word. We need to surrender to God's purposes as the Holy Spirit leads us in life. Okay, uh, That may be a purpose for today, uh, where God maybe prompts us to share Christ with somebody that we come across, or uh, to help somebody in need. And we surrender to that, and we fulfill God's purpose for today. 
Sometimes it's a more big picture thing. Uh, when I surrendered to priest, that was a, uh, something that I believe God didn't want me to work on right away. Uh, and then later on, I began to prepare for that. Uh, but it was a long-term calling on my life. Uh, sometimes God may call you to a different geographical place. I've heard of people who've, been, who've gotten a great burden uh, for a city in this country or perhaps in another country and uh, begin to pray over that, and then God sends them there to do ministry. So it could be a, a variety of things, but we need to be surrendered to God's purposes because when we're surrendered to God's purposes, then He can get us doing those things and serving where and how He chooses for us to serve so that we can make a difference the difference that God created us to make. Did you know you've got a different difference to make than I do? Uh, we have different things that God has for us to do because God's created us differently with different gifts, different spiritual gifts, but also different talents and uh, different personalities. And all of these things work together and are part of God's overall scheme for what He wants to do in a church, in a city, in a society. And so we've got to surrender those purposes. So that's, that's step one. And David, the first three words of chapter 18 are after this David. In other words, God has just finished telling him, I don't want you to build the temple. Okay, So he doesn't build the temple in this chapter. He is preparing for Solomon to build the temple because that's what God has just told him he wants him to do. Your purpose is not to build it. Your purpose is to prepare for it. Uh, and, but he also tells him, I want you to rule, and you're going to have a dynasty. Uh, and then uh, earlier, Samuel had come and anointed him in, as king. And he says, hey, God has set you apart as king to rule over this people. And so after this, David, and the rest of the chapter tells what he did, right? What is he doing? He's fulfilling the purpose of God. He surrendered to God's purpose and fulfilling God's role that God has for him in his life. So, uh, we've got to surrender to God's purpose. So, to leave a legacy, how do you do that? Surrender to God's purposes. Fight your spiritual battles. Fight your spiritual battles. In verse 1 and uh, in many other places in this chapter, it speaks of David. Literally, my translation says, defeated the Philistines. It's a little more colorful than the original. David struck the Philistines, you know, whap, you know. Um, and so uh, this is, this is kind of what he does throughout. And, and if you look and, and you see what he's doing, if you were to look at a, a map of Israel right over here on the western side, you'd see the Philistines. On the northern side, you'd see the Arameans. Over here, you've got Ammon and Moab and Edom. And down here, you've got the Amalekites. So north, south, east, and west, David is fighting the enemies of God so that the place that is Israel can be secure. Uh, there's some battles that we have to fight as God's people. Uh, you've got to fight the spiritual battles against your soul. I want to tell you something. If you know Christ, uh, there's a target on your chest. And the more you do for Christ, the greater a target there is on your chest. Um, and the enemy is going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So how do we fight this battle? Well, we need to be in the Word of God, right? 
Wait, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Another way we fight the enemy is to submit to God, as we just talked about. What does the Scripture say? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, We also uh, can fight these spiritual battles by quoting Scripture when we're being tempted by the evil one. We see that in Scripture. So we do that. And so we can do that through prayer. Uh, One of the things listed in Ephesians 6, along with all the different... uh, applications of the use of the Word of God are, uh, is the, the statement praying in the Spirit. So we can pray uh, under the leadership of the Spirit uh, and let God use us in, in our prayers to come against the enemy. Uh, we can do that through our worship as we praise and thank the Lord. Uh, season of Thanksgiving is a great time to thank God. Uh, and that worship in and of itself is a spiritual Uh, It's not something necessarily that I'm focused on as I worship God, but it is something that God uses. As we worship God, then God works on our behalf and moves and and works against the enemy. So that's a great way to fight spiritual battles. Now, uh, if you're like me, you've got your hands full dealing with numero uno right here, okay, uh, in your spiritual battles. But we also have to fight a spiritual battle for our home, right? I hope you pray uh, for your spouse. I hope you pray, if you've got kids, you pray for your kids uh, and your family because the enemy of God uh, wants to destroy them. So we fight that spiritual battle. I hope you pray for this church. Did you know that God wants to destroy this church? And he may try to use an individual or, or several individuals to do that. Uh, and, and a lot of times the way he does that is he comes against them outside the church so that they get crossways and come into the church and cause trouble in the church. And so one of the things we can do is we can pray for one another that God will protect us from the evil one. And as the Holy Spirit leads us and lays someone on our hearts, we lift them up in prayer uh, consistently so that God can work in their lives. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, my sister called me on the phone. And she said, she said, I was burdened for you today. I've been praying for you. And I said, funny thing, I've been experiencing some spiritual battle today. She's got an uncanny thing. It's like, a, I don't know, she's got a direct line to God or something. I don't know. But she knew. And, and she lives states away. We hadn't talked. And she didn't know anything about uh, my circumstance. But she was interceding for me. Why? Because God had laid me upon her heart. Now, we need to be used by God to support one another and to fight these spiritual battles. You say, well, how does that help me leave a legacy? You can't leave a legacy if you're a spiritual shipwreck, right? You can't. And we see that everywhere we look in our culture, don't we? Uh, Listen, I want to tell you something. We need each other in this period of American history more than at any other time. Uh, it's the church of God is so, so important. Uh, sometimes I hear people, well, I, don't, I just worship in my own home. I don't go to church. Listen, that is crazy. God has given us the church so that we can help each other. We're in this mess together. Listen, if I'm fighting a foreign army uh, in a physical battle, uh, I want more than just one person in that foxhole with me. I want as many as I can get. To help me win the battle, right? And that's what the church is. The church is God's vehicle to help one another overcome. And as we overcome together, 
we can leave a legacy for this church in the next generation. And then individually in our families and so forth. Uh, but it's so important that we fight that battle. Uh, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time we will reap if we faint not. Sometimes the battle is hard, right? What do you do? You keep going. You keep fighting. And you, you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, I need some help. Or maybe you go to a spiritual brother or sister and say, hey, would you pray for me? I'm struggling right now uh, that, that God would help me. All right. So uh, fight your spiritual battles. Um, one great illustration of this is found in the, in the story that we have in the account of uh, Moses and the children of Israel, and the Israelites are in a war, and Joshua's down there fighting the battle on the ground, but Moses has gone up on the mountain with Aaron and Hur, and they're, they're praying up on the Moses has got his hands lifted, as the Jews often did, in prayer, and he's praying to God, uh, and as he begins to get tired, his hands start to come down, and he gets weary, and he stops praying, and the Amalekites begin to win. But then, as he lifts his hands again, the Israelites, as he's praying to the Lord, the Israelites begin to win. Uh, and so, finally, uh, Aaron and Hur realize what's going on, and one of them gets on one side of him, and one of them gets on the other side, so his hands will stay raised, and he can continue to pray to the Lord. And Israel wins a great victory. This is an illustration of what happens spiritually in spiritual battles. And that's why we need each other so much. So, um, leaving a legacy, how do you do it? Surrender to God's purposes, fight your spiritual battle, prepare for God's will. Prepare for God's will. How does David do this? Uh, David prepares for God's will. What has God told him? God says, hey, your descendant, your seed is going to build this temple. Now, that first seed was Solomon. Later on, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will come. And there's going to be another temple built, if I understand things correctly. Uh, but here um, we're talking about Solomon, that, that first temple uh, that was built. And David is preparing for that. If you look at verse 8, uh, from Tibhath and Kun, Hadadezer cities, David also took huge quantities of bronze from which Solomon made the bronze basin, the pillars, and the bronze articles. He's talking about the materials for the temple there. So, so David's stockpiling these precious metals. If you look down in uh, verse 10, uh, Hodoram, that is uh, uh, the, the ambassador that's sent to David, he brings all kinds of gold, silver, and bronze items. And if you know how the temple is constructed, what are, they, what are the three metals that were used? Gold, silver, and bronze, okay? So uh, all these materials are being gathered up. He is preparing for God's will. Um, you remember when uh, Joshua was about to enter into Canaan with the Israelites. God tells them, he tells Joshua, have the people uh, prepare uh, and have, the, have them fast and pray, and then have the men abstain from sex for, for three nights and uh, focus upon me and call upon my name. I'm about to lead you into the promised land. And so what is he doing? He's giving them steps of preparation to fulfill the plan of God. Now, sometimes God's preparation may be long. 
How many years did Moses spend on the backside of the desert before God sent him to Egypt? Forty years of preparation. God is preparing him, and he's developing character in him, and, and so forth. And, um, but, but often, there are some, some uh, immediate steps to take in preparation. Sometimes there may be an intermediate uh, season of preparation. Uh, I think my time uh, serving as a staff member in, in a couple of churches uh, was preparation. Um, my time ministering with my, with my dad was preparation for the ministry that I had to yet to come. Sometimes God will lay a, a sermon series on my heart for the coming year. What, what can I do? Well, I, I, I have to put my antenna up. If somebody else is preaching a sermon series on that that I, that I normally listen to, I, I may spend some extra time uh, in that sermon series that I, uh, more than I would normally spend. I might buy me a couple of books on that particular topic, uh, and, and and so forth. You see, you see the idea. So I know you're not you're you're not going to be preparing messages, but I, you get the idea. So if God's called you to do something, sometimes there may not be a need for preparation. It's just a, you take that step, you act, and you do what God's told you to do. But other times we need to be ready to prepare not just ourselves, but to prepare others. Sometimes I've seen in churches. Um, People will hold on uh, to a certain position and are resistant to anybody else serving that way, right? Because that's my position, right? I don't want to give that position up. That's my position, right? But what if that person who has that position thought, hmm, there's this other person that I might be able to train to fill this position. Not only would there be another person to fill in if somebody wants to take a trip or uh, needs to be out, uh, but perhaps they're training this younger person in how to do this, and uh, I, you know, then not only can they help them, but when this this person is gone, because we're all ultimately going to meet to our, to meet our Lord in the sky at some point, right? Uh, and so. Uh, then there'll be somebody to carry on that work. Uh, I have a, a, a dear friend in Texas who uh, mentors preachers, and he'll take young preachers who've just surrendered to preach under his wing, and he'll just mentor them. He'll take them to lunch, and he'll talk to them and pray with them. And uh, Many times he, he will be pastoring a church, and he, he pastors small, a small church as a kind of a, he had his main job, and then he would pastor churches, and so as bivocational. And so he would he would work with this guy. He'd let him let him preach. He'd, he'd kind of teach him how to do these different things. He'd he'd let him sit there with him when he won people to Christ and learn how to do it. And he said, "Man, some of them are better than I am." And uh, you know, but but he developed them, and then he'd say, "Would you like to pastor this church?" And he would resign, and he'd say, this needs to be your next pastor. <laughs> and he would, he would encourage the church to call that young man to preach that in that pulpit. And he told me one time, he said, I had uh, two churches, one that was wanting to call me and one that I was pastoring. And I asked the young man, I said, which one do you want? <laughs> and he, he recommended him to the one he wanted, and, and he stayed at the other one. So, you know, uh, what a great thing to do. Someday when this man is dead and gone and he's gone to glory, there's going to be all these people in the ministry serving Christ because of his selfless heart. That's the heart we need to have. If we want to leave a legacy, 
is to try to help others fulfill their potential as well. All right. So uh, preparing for God's will. So surrender to God's purposes. Fight your spiritual battles. Uh, prepare for God's will. Devote your resources to God. Uh, he's talking about all these, this gold and silver and bronze that he's, he's storing up. Verse 11, King David also dedicated these to the Lord. Uh, along with the silver and gold, he'd carried off from all the nations. And now we find out there's some other ones besides the one he has mentioned. From Edom, Moab, the, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, and the Amalekites. All the spoil from all these different battles. Um, and what is David doing? David could have said, well, hey, you know what? Uh, my house is not big enough. Let's rebuild. Or, uh, boy, you know, I'd really like one of these new horses over here uh, to ride. You know, if he, if he lived in today, it, it might have been an automobile. Uh, hey, you know, I can, I can now afford this kind of automobile. And so he gets that. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? But, but, but here's the thing. What's David doing with this? He's dedicated his resources to God. He says, everything that I'm getting in battle, he says, my purpose is not to enrich myself, but my purpose is to set these things aside for the work of God. He's dedicated his resources to God. Now, that doesn't mean I've heard people give messages before that, you know, you need to do exactly what I've done. You need to uh, give exactly how I've given. I don't believe that. I think the Holy Spirit's big enough to tell you how you're supposed to give and to tell me how I'm supposed to give, and we can trust Him with that. I do believe in a tithe, but I believe that God leads us in, over and above uh, to give as the Spirit leads. That's why we talk about tithes and offerings. Uh, perhaps God would lead you to give to somebody outside this church. It's a distinct possibility. But we surrender our resources to God. And as we surrender our resources to God, then God can use those resources. And it's not just money. It's the surrender of our time. Right? That's a great resource. As we give of our time to the Lord, uh, as we give of our giftedness to the Lord, and we, we serve in these specific ways and uh, how the church can be enriched, but not just the church. It may be somebody at your office. It may be somebody that you know in your neighborhood. And God lays upon your heart, hey, why don't you go over there and talk to this person? Why don't you invite this person to your house and uh, have dinner with them, or whatever the case may be, and minister to this person. So you're devoting your resources to God, and then God can use you through your time, your talents and your treasure to impact other people and have an ongoing ministry for the Lord. So, um, leaving a legacy, surrender to God's purposes, fight your spiritual battles, prepare for God's will, devote your resources to God, look to God for deliverance. Look to God for deliverance. Verse 6 and verse 13 both talk about this. Look at verse 13. It says, the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. I really don't like that translation. Uh, probably nothing wrong with it, but it literally means either the Lord saved David wherever he went or the Lord delivered David wherever he went. Can I tell you, sometimes I need deliverance. What about you? <laughs> and uh, uh, David uh, realizes in all these battles that I'm fighting, and you see this in the Psalms, don't you? He says, Lord, deliver me from my enemies. He's praying this, and, and God is so faithful. And, and in battle after battle and situation after situation, he is delivered by the hand of God. 
Sometimes we need to be delivered. It may be deliverance from the the plots of somebody who's against us. It may be deliverance spiritually from the enemy's plots. You remember uh, what Jesus told Peter? He said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. What is he telling him? Satan's got a plan. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to sift you as wheat. And I love the second part. He says, but I have prayed for you. You see, what what is Jesus doing? Yes, Peter has some defeat, but Satan's wanting to just absolutely wreck his life. And and Jesus prays, and what does God do? God delivers Peter. He lifts him up again. He restores him to his position. Uh, He fills him with the Spirit of God. And this this one who is so disillusioned, he's left the, the ministry and he's gone back to fishing. Now he is preaching the gospel and he's having such a powerful influence for the Lord. Why? Because we serve a God who delivers. And so we look to God for deliverance. Listen, there's going to be times when we're in over our head. There's going to be times where you don't have an answer for the situation that's before you. There's a time where you can't explain what's going on in your life, where you're perplexed, where maybe your attitude is in the wrong place. And you say, Lord, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to deal with this. Lord, I need your deliverance. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. I love that scripture. We look to God for deliverance. David did this, and he found that God was sufficient for his need. Leaving a legacy means learning how to to seek the Lord for deliverance. Um, Finally, if you want to leave a legacy, uh, do what is right. Verse 14 says, David reigned over all Israel, administering justice and righteousness for all the people. He did what was right. Now, he wasn't perfect in that. Uh, Chronicles actually doesn't list his personal failures like Samuel does. The chronicler is, uh, is focusing on how God used him as a king more than on the personal life of David. Uh, David did have some failures, but by and large, he tried to follow the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. Um, as we do what's right, you know, this is, this is becoming more and more rare in our culture. Uh, but right is right and wrong is wrong. Even if people don't acknowledge what's right and wrong and people are confused about what's right and wrong, right is still right and wrong is still wrong. And we still need to do what's right in the eyes of God. And if you want to leave a legacy, one of the greatest things you can do for your kids is to set an example of doing the right thing and to teach them what the right thing is. And to tell them, listen, it takes courage to do the right thing. Anybody can do the wrong thing. It takes courage to do the right thing. And to stand alone for Jesus Christ. And then pray for your kids so they can do that. Um, but uh, you do what's right. That is so important in leaving a legacy. And, um, and then uh, fulfill your appointed role. He, he finishes up this chapter by uh, listing these different individuals who have different roles in David's government. Um, all of these roles are important and all of these roles needed to be fulfilled in order for the government to work the way it needed to work. As you fulfill your appointed role, you say, well, my role isn't glamorous. My, my role is, is, is minor. 
Well, it may, may be minor to you, but it's probably major to somebody else because if what you do doesn't get done. You know, it's like the, uh, you, we spend a lot of time fixing our face, don't we? Especially you ladies. I, I've, us guys, it may be plucking a hair or something like that, you know, uh, making sure we don't have a jungle sticking out of our nose or something like that. Uh, but with women, you know, they've got the makeup and they're doing, doing all these things to fix their face. You, you know, you comb your hair. But I want to tell you something. Your face can be all messed up and you can be pretty healthy. But your heart or your liver or one of these things that are not very, probably, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but I imagine those things stink. They're inside you, right? And they don't look very good. They're kind of slimy looking and gross looking. Uh, nothing you'd want to put on the, the uh, coffee table when your neighbors come over, right? Uh, but they're critical, right? A lot of times people think, well, you know, my role is not important. But listen, the Bible tells us that the roles that are not in the spotlight, the roles that are behind the scenes that many people consider minor are the most important roles. That's what Corinthians says. That none of us can take each other for granted that we're all important to the plan and purpose of God. And so you fulfill your specific role. You say, well, that wasn't my parents' role. Uh, well, that's not my friend's role. Uh, you know, I, I need to do life like my friend. No, you don't. You fulfill your role that God has for you to fulfill, and God will take care of the rest of it. One of the things I've found out, you know, I, you, you watch your parents, and, and I was blessed to have godly parents. Some of you probably don't have godly parents to think about. But uh, I watched them, and I thought, well, this is the way my life needs to go. Did you know God did a different thing with me than he did with my dad? He did a different thing than he did with my mom. Uh, life didn't work the same way. God led me on different paths, and, and my ministry looked different than my dad's ministry. We have different gifts. God used me differently. But it wasn't wrong. God used us both. And I found that God can, you know, I've often thought, well, you hear that you get the advice, okay, this is what you need to do to be able to do this in your life. And I didn't do that, and guess what? God took care of the the end goal result. Uh, We serve a living God. And so as you fulfill that, as you fulfill your appointed role, God can take care of the rest of it. So uh, leaving a legacy, real quickly, I'll go over these and uh, and we'll close. It says, we surrender to God's purposes, fight your spiritual battles, prepare for God's will, devote your resources to God, look to God for deliverance, do what's right, and fulfill your appointed role. And as you do that, I am confident before the Lord that you will leave a legacy to those around you. You'll impact lives as you do that, uh, all to the glory of our great God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the, the wisdom that you've, can, you've got in your word, Lord, so that we can have um, some things to live by. And, uh, Lord, we pray that you would use us and help us to be salt and light in this culture that so desperately needs it. Uh, Father, help us do the right thing when it's inconvenient, when it's unpopular. Help us, Father, to fulfill the roles you've given us to fulfill and uh, to prepare for the future and all of these things that you've you've placed upon our hearts to do. Lord, let us fulfill every good thing, every good purpose that you have for us as as a people, as a church, and uh, as individuals and as families in this church. God, help us fulfill the purposes you have for us to fulfill and to leave a legacy for that next generation. 
And Father, if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight would be the night uh, that they would repent and put their trust in Jesus and be saved.